I know I'm not going to win, but you go into situations of life knowing you're not going to, you're not going to be the best, but every day you show up, you suck a little less. Consistency is going to get you there. And that's what it is. It's like right after this podcast, I'm going to put on my kit and go run again because it's about consistency. It's not about winning. It's about being sucking a little less. And whether you're doing Chippendales, you're doing executive protection, you're an entrepreneur, whatever it is, it's suck a little less. My name is Johnny Elsasser, and I'm a former Special Operations U.S. Army Ranger and Tactical Commander to the U.S. Ambassador's Protective Detail. I have seen the struggle even the most hardened men have faced when they combat their inner demons, and I am here to shine a light on those struggles to show that no man is exempt from adversity and internal pain. Men from all walks of life share their stories of hardship, darkness, and perseverance so that every man knows that whatever he is going through, he is not alone. Evolution for men begins now. This is a Soul Fire production. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Art of Masculinity. I'm fucking like, I'm almost speechless on my own show because I have a guest on here today that I've been trying to land for like three years. And I've been trying to land him for three years and he's one of my oldest friends. So go figure this one out. <laughs> but we got my boy Joey Pena on. Brother, it's so great to see you on here. Your fucking beard. Absolutely epic and just excited, bro. I am so excited to jam out with you for a while. Thank you for having me. Um, definitely. Obviously, I've been a big fan of you. I've known you for years, but definitely as you grew, and just seeing your success, I, I've just been—I've been following this progression, and, and I, I've always wanted to be on it. And I'm just glad we're finally able to do that. Well, I'm hoping that this is the first of many times you'll be on the show. So that's like we're going to set a precedent here, but this will be the first of many because you're always welcome back on. A dear friend of mine, but also you have been, dude. Ever since like early on, you reached out and you're like, "Bro, I love you. I support you. This is amazing." Like you've been there every step of the way. And who was I? Was I was uh. I think it was uh, Alex Hermosi. He said something about that where it's like, you know, those, those people who are true friends. Alex Hermosi talked about the people being with you uh, in your high times and your low times. It didn't matter. And you've always been there regardless. And you are, you are 100% there when I started this whole thing. And it's just been special, bro, to have someone like you, someone I highly respect, uh, I love and value in my corner, but also, which people are going to hear about. You are no slouch yourself, and to watch your progression has been something like I am in awe of you and where you sit today in the world and how you impact. It's fucking just epic, bro. Epic. I want to start by saying that every person who has success is, is defined by their experiences. They look through the life through their own lens of their own experience. And, uh, you know, that first lens that you and I both had was the military, obviously, um, that adds a layer of course. And every guy, every veteran gets on there, talks about it. And I neither hate nor love the military. It was something that, um, helped me, but as you leave, you always have to have a game plan and I had no idea, no idea what it was. I, I met a girl and then went up to Idaho and then started working investigations and did some stuff up north and eventually got an executive protection. And then after uh, my marriage dissolved, I ended up with like, screw it. I'm going to go down to Las Vegas. I had a buddy from the army that I knew forever. He said, come down. 
So I did. Came down and yeah, James, James, uh, an 82nd buddy of mine. And um, came down here, lived with him, started working immediately. Uh, couldn't find work in the security space, so I started modeling. That was when I was younger, and, and hold, I'm gonna I'm gonna pump the brakes right now because anybody watching this and not listening to the audio knows he's a, a good looking fucking human. So uh, modeling wasn't too hard for him to come across. <laughs> but it's so like like you go from um, you go from swacking in Iraq to to like okay now I, I I can't make money okay what can I do and a friend of mine offered me a job uh, but she was like hey if you're gonna do this you gotta get your cards and I was like I don't know what to do so she helped me and then she helped me apply to all of these agencies and I just I went on Google I went to every modeling agency in Las Vegas and I just went on everyone's roster and so for like a year, I just worked, or, or two years, I worked straight as a model. Did fashion show. I was I was a little too big for fashion show, but I was like determined. So I did fashion shows anyways. And then I did a lot of like a lot of stuff. You, you can see it on my Instagram. Way, 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 way down. Like see some, some of the stuff that I, that I did um, was on magazines and stuff like that. And during the course of that, a photographer friend of mine, was friends with the manager of a little-known show called Chippendales. Dun, dun, dun. It's a male review show. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, I danced a little bit growing up, but not, like, real dancing. Like, I didn't know what an yeah. account was. Was that, was that like... And was that like... Because you, you always had, like, a, a big personality. I don't mean that in, like, a, in a negative way. You always had this personality that, like, kind of it was so energetic i think would be the best way to put it that people gravitated to it but you also felt like easy flowing ever since i've known you was that dancing like easy for you to pick up or kind of natural for you to step into even though you hadn't done it a lot oh my god okay so like two things the first thing is is that you you find there are two classifications of individuals that dance there are the strippers right if you don't know what uh, chippendales is it's a male review you have to dance. Like you go to dance class, you learn an eight count, you learn pirouetting, you learn like kickball change, you learn how to dance this. We may not do it well, like people from like Juilliard or something, but we are dancers. And then there's ripping of clothes off, right? We never get fully n- nude. Uh, most thing we do is show our butts. Yeah. Uh, which we, if you've ever been in the showers, it's not much. <laughs> but I mean, the, this, the, so there, there are two types of people. There are the people that are the incredible dancers from who have like are picking this up and they are walking through life going from show to show search shows they're going through male review shows and that's how men find their uh, if they want to be a professional dancer especially here in las vegas so you'll have those people and then you'll have this like skeezy or you'll have the bodybuilder type and they both mesh and it's this weird dynamic this kaleidoscope of individuals that's that line up and the most, the people who are the front men, the people who are the people that, you know, people gravitate to, those are the people which I would later find out, which is the weirdest thing. And I think this truly is applicable to your podcast is you find that the truer you are to yourself, the personality you are, 
the more that like offload and more exudes to the crowd and the easier you make a connection with them, which ultimately, whether it's sexual or whether it's like musical or theatrical or anything like that, whatever medium you use within the, the, um, the art, there has to be that connection. But the only like the truest form of connection is knowing yourself and being able to project yourself. Which was the all like the weirdest thing because you're in Chippendales, and I know this sounds like hokey, but the, you're in Chippendales. That's how I was. So when I would get on stage, I would go up and knock guys' hats off and run off like a five year old because that's who I really am. You know what I mean? Or like if they were next to me, I I just push them. You know what I mean? And they would be like, "What? What are you doing?" And then girls would see that and they'd be like, "Oh my god, that was funny." You know, I'm sure they're supposed to be dancing, but they're just goofing off. And that's, that's truly how I became like frontman and how I became like part of all this thing. I, I was actually blessed to be, they had a 40 year documentary and I was, on, I was one of four speakers that wow. got to be on that, that documentary. Yeah. And cool. I was the longest running consecutively running the longest consecutively consecutive running, um, tour guy. There's a guy, the guy named Billy Jeffrey. He, he used to take three months or four months off every year to run his other business. He's probably OG, Obama OG, but um, consecutively never stopping. I, I did, I did tour for six years. That's freaking amazing, dude. And like, this is what I, uh, we're going to get more in, into your story too, because I, I want guys to realize like, well, as you're listening to Joey and as you're listening to us talk, like the range that this man has is uh, it, like, I was telling Joey before we hopped on, I don't, I don't have a friend that has the range you have. Like you are literally the man with the most range. And as we dig into this more, people are going to hear why. But dude, that is amazing. And it doesn't surprise me that you became a lead man. Because like I said, you always had this you know, amazing energy about you since you and I were in the military together. I remember pouring you. Well, you were fucking hungover, still probably drunk and hungover, pouring you on a bus to go home to California. I think it was after airborne school oh before, you went to, before you went to 82nd. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah it's a greyhound yeah i remember wow. that wow yeah so wow i totally forgot that oh yeah i remember that it was the last time i i saw you it, that was actually the last time i've seen you physically in person when we put you on that bus to get you out to get you home because you you would have never made yeah, it i home. was definitely drunk you would never have made it home bro you were fucking done dude just toast you would have yeah. never made it home <laughs> Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, but you know what? There, there's two things I want to say that about our military career, because there's two things that most people don't know is a, I gravitated to you and I've always, I've always like held you with a huge amount of respect because you were that guy who's always been true. And I think it's bled through in your podcast. It's always bled through in, in whatever career you like. It's part of this art of masculine and part of being masculine is knowing yourself and then being able to go through life and project this. Like this is like the skill set you need to do. We oftentimes we find that we're trying so hard to be this other person. And this, as we get older, we find that like we become tired of wearing that costume and then and only then do we start really having these true relationships but you from an early age have been that like you knew yourself like in your book you talk about your dad and you start talking about all of your experiences going all the way through and and the reality is is that you you had a pretty firm idea of who you were i was struggling i was struggling and i can really honestly say that 
The other thing I want to say is I was, I was blessed to be able to pin your tab on and I have a picture of it. And I, I think it was, I hold it as I, I seriously, because what well, for our, for your listeners is that when you get pinned, usually a family member or somebody who really loves you gets to pin on your tab. It's one of the proudest moments and you go through hell and it's one of the proudest moments. Well, I didn't make it through, but Johnny did. And I, when I got out of the hospital, he asked me to pin his tab on for him. And I have a picture of me doing it. And it's honestly, it's one of like, it's like getting a black belt from somebody, you know, when you get your black belt from a, from a, your coach or professor, like whatever you want to call them, you have that bond forever. Like that is part of like, you're a part of a defining moment that got you to that moment. And somebody there was, was there to share. And I always like, even through your, your ranger career and all this other stuff, when you left, that's why it was easy. Cause for me, that was an honorable moment I got to share with you. And I, I never forgot that, but that's, I, my, uh, that's my boy, man, my boy, blue. <laughs> You're my boy, Blue. Oh, I love you, brother. But yeah, let's uh, like back in back into Chippendales because I love you, bro. Like that's why I mean, obviously, you and I were very close in, in those years, and we still are. But during those times, we were a lot. We, we were together for a while. And got very close. Remember, uh, dude. Remember that freaking crazy ass dude. And then we'll move on. But remember that crazy ass dude. Uh, was he Sergeant Carlin or whatever from Air Airborne? We had to put his push his truck up a uh, heart attack hill, and there was like three of us. And then yeah. we jumped in, uh, yeah. jumped in the river, and one of the dudes almost drowned. We had to go get him out. Chattahoochee, like, yeah, oh Chattahoochee. My God, dude. He was crazy. We, we did the crazy. Downing Mile. Yeah, yeah. We did the Downing Mile. Okay, so what what Johnny's talking about is the fact that like in between airborne school and ranger school, there's a period of time it's called airborne holdover, and guys either go home or go to other units. But the guys who want to continue on in special operations, they have to be on hold, and it's miserable. All you do is just mow lawns and do area beautification and try to with the best to keep motivated because they treat you like crap. They want you to quit. That's the purpose of it. And ultimately, we ended up hooking up with this Sergeant Airborne who got his jollies off on getting all these guys who were highly motivated and just seeing if he could make it suck so bad to make him quit. Well, of course, we didn't all quit, but it was just dumb stuff. And there was guys from Third Bat who was like running across with us. They're running with Zodiacs and they're like, are you guys okay? <laughs> What's going on? With you? They're like, we had like guys in ponchos and. One guy in the poncho, oh and then we had one guy running around the poncho. Yeah. You that? Oh my god, Jesus. I forgot about that. But yes, Just I do miserable. Now. Oh, he was terrible, man. But also, like you know, to before I went to Rip, you know, in that holdover, before I went over to Rip to do to like qualify to go to Ranger Bat, man, I think that helped so much to set me up for success. To be honest, like had we not been brutalized by him. <laughs> Like, you know, I had already experienced it because he was tough, bro. He could have easily been a, a rip instructor for sure. He was oh, tough. For sure. Remember when we were, we were, so after we chant, swam the Chattahoochee, he sugar cookied us, yeah. um, which means we got in mud. And then we're all standing there in mud and we're lining up against this brand new airborne school um, class, like uh, 200 people out there standing at attention waiting for it. And we're all running in muddy and it's cold, like dead yeah. of winter, Fort Bragg, North Car or Fort Benning, North Carolina, sucking. And it is cold. It's like down in the, in the temperature. And he's getting a hose, spraying us off one by one. Turn around. Shh. 
and we're just out there like, <laughs> like Spartans. And then, he, and then he turns around to the class and goes, who wants to quit? These guys are going to, to Ranger or SF. You're going to be just like him. Who wants to quit? And like half the class raises their hand. And he goes, put your, your hands down. You ain't going anywhere. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. He was something else, man. Oh, man. Good times. Yeah, he was. But you know what? I, yeah, I believe that. Again, a lens, another lens of experience, you know. And then ultimately, I, you know, as I made my way into other things like Chippendales, I would, I would make my way into other things. I, I took these things, these experiences, knowing that nothing is going to be harder than where I came from. Like my, my childhood, you know, I had my older brother and, and some other, some bad stuff that happened. And that was, that set me up for war. And then war set me up for like, okay, I proved to myself that I can do some stuff. And I proved to myself, cause that's what happens when you're young. You're always proving to yourself that you're hard enough. If you're going to pull the trigger, if you're going to stay in war. And then after that, you're like, if this is who would define, this is what I'm defined as. And this is the only thing I can do. And you stay in a box and you, that's where you live. And you, and you see him, the bro vet. I love gun gear. I love gun shirts, my jujitsu shirts. I love all of that. I'm not going to say anything bad about it, but you see guys who are like, they only are able to talk about like, oh, you wouldn't understand. You you never went to war, and they wear their you know grunt style. Nothing against grunt style. I like some grunt style stuff. I just, uh, but there's a, a classification of individuals who wears whoobies and and, and five eleven jeans and, and grunt style shirts, and and that's who they are. They and then they're afraid to get out of this box. And unfortunately, and I say that, uh, and I hate that word fortune because fortune has nothing to do with it. But in this case. Fortune has caused a bunch of young men to go off to war. And then they get back and they don't do anything but are still stuck there. Like almost like a, a quarterback in high school, then they threw that touchdown and that's the only thing. They carry a, a football in their trunk for the rest of the year, for the rest of their life. And they scream at, you know, the Jets on Super Bowl Sunday. And that's it. That's all their lives. That's, that's where they are boxed in. And for us, you know, immediately when I got back from Iraq, my first time, I, I went directly and I was having panic attacks. And, you know, so I had two total malfunctions, three parcels in my jump career. I burned in. I did a bunch of other stuff. And I was I scared. I was still scared to jump out. I was scared to be in planes. Like, I fly every week. But I still get, like, uneasy. The feeling never goes away. And, I, and my dad is the one that says, you know, Courage happens when you are scared. Like that's that. It's the action afterwards that, as men, when you actually do something that you know you're scared to do, and everyone is scared. So, like, we're scared to go to therapy. We're scared to, to prove, step out of those boxes. We're scared to try new things. And that's ultimately what ended up happening. Is like when I transitioned into modeling first. Like, here's this whole medium. Like, I'm so on, uh, like, here's all these people that do not align with my personal beliefs. There's all these people that, you know, who do not, like, they say stuff. They, you know, there's a lot of, you know, other elements involved. They're doing extracurricular activities that don't align with my beliefs. And so, and then I go into Chippendales, and I'm, I remember one time I'm sitting there, and my dance captain, who's, his name is Brian Sheehan, I love him. But for the many, many years, I hated this guy. 
And it's because I wasn't a dance. I, I wasn't a dancer, but I remember the first time he's teaching me this segment and we have to learn these poses where we're like flexing and then we go down and then we rip off these underwear. We turn around to the crowd, back to the crowd and we take off our underwear. And I, he's drilling me, he's drilling me. And then he's like, cool, you got it. And then I go up on stage during the show and I'd fail, mess up the poses. And then I, and then one night he's yelling at me, like just right up like a drill sergeant. How are you messing this up? And I said, it's because I have to get naked. I'm not used to getting naked. And the look on his face goes, oh, there's a human aspect. I'm not, I'm not used to, like, this guy is not, like, this is not my stripper. This is not my dancer. This is a guy who, like, has no idea. I've never done any of this. But this is, again, like, I wasn't afraid to go and do something different. And, I'm, you know, my parents didn't believe it, uh, didn't, didn't like it at all. They freaking hated it. I loved every bit of it. Like I, I traveled Europe for six years. I, I, I now have a, a pretty good um, grasp on the, on the German language. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I, I spent my time reading a lot. And that's ultimately where I started coming across books like How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, Jocko Willicks's uh, Extreme Ownership and Dichotomy of Leadership, which is now in my own security firm. Uh, what I make all of my uh, employees read. Uh, as a requirement for their their for their employment, yeah, it's it's a, like a hundred percent. It's on the walls too, all the the leadership loop and all that other stuff. But um, I'm getting ahead of myself. But um, while you know, I started reading and I started um, looking at how do I? I have all of this time between shows, and I'm traveling through, and half the time people are sleeping or they're drinking or they you know whatever they're doing. I have all this time. I'm going to start chewing through books. And I, I eventually started, you know, doing all the things that Chip and Nose do and, and stuff like that. But I did utilize my time wisely with the fact that I started consuming knowledge and I started reading. And then um, something happened. I started looking around and you are the summation of the five closest people that you are associating yourself with. And for me, that was five strippers and dancers who had no clue where they were going. No, they weren't in any way, they weren't, uh, some people were good, but some people were just garbage human beings. They were just not good. And, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to disparage anybody. I'm not going to slander anybody, but there were some definitely garbage human beings. And you have to, right? There, there's like strippers are not good. Like they, they're, they're not there because they're, 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 uh, Harvard graduates. You know what I mean? They, they've fallen into this thing. And when you're good looking and you don't progress, you kind of create this, like you go for the easy money. Well, there's, and it's there's very a, easy to do that here. I think there's a, uh, like when you're good looking, like the world can fall to you in a lot of ways, um, where you don't have to necessarily try, I think. And when that happens and you find a job like this, where you're probably making decent money and you're able to, get laid if you want. And the things kind of fall in place for you in a lot of ways. I think th th it does. Like, in Unless you have that ambition to be something or do something different or better or, or um, more expansive, I could see why people get kind of comfortable in that zone. Well, I mean, you're... You're nine guys. I had... You know him, Reggie Contreras. He did Intel for... I love this dude. He's one of my... He's like you. I, I stayed in touch with him. Um, I'm trying to 
trying to get him to come to my my company to do EP, but I love this guy. He was the very first person out of all the people in the military that I knew that came to a Chippendale show. And I've been telling him, I'm like, dude, there's only nine guys and 3,000 women, and they're all drunk, and they're all <laughs> revved up. Yeah. You're, yeah. It's like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> Right, I don't like. I don't, and they, 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 there's a stigma that attached to it. Yeah, there's some people that are uh, of the gay community, and that's fine. And then, honestly, I was I was big on trying to get more of that community into Chippendale shows and, and having a, a camaraderie with that because oftentimes a lot of the straight guys would like push that off. I was actually the first Chippendale who brought a guy on stage for the, the guy for stuff of some of the segments uh-huh. so uh, one of the gay guys who was in my sh- in my show he was like i've been trying to do that for years <laughs> and i was like i was like dude because uh, it was originally it was just to, the, the guys were messing with me i was like fine i'm gonna get a guy now you guys have to dance on this guy so there you go Good luck. <laughs> we can play games <laughs> so we can play games ultimately what ended up happening yeah you want to play games you know military stuff you know like you, you guys don't know how bad this could get. Like we can, we can start messing some stuff. But honestly, um, like there's a stigma around that all the dancers were were gay, and I was like, yeah, there, I don't see anything gay about three thousand women and dancing every night. So, anyways, with Reggie, Reggie came down, and I took I took out my cup and collar, and I, um, and I uh, gave it to him, and we all took a picture, and he posted it on. At the time, the big thing was Facebook. So he posted on Facebook and all of the military guys in our group, you know, all the guys in uh, the 82nd and elsewhere were like, Oh my God, what are you doing at a Chippendale show? And he was like, dude, I just said I was with Joey. And then I asked Joey, I'm going to, I'm going to take off. Uh, I'll see you later. I'm like, you do you. <laughs> and after that, everybody from my military is like, Hey, are you coming through with your show? What's going on? Cause <laughs> like, May, may the odds forever be in your favor. <laughs> oh my God, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's not something you think about either. No, but that's definitely like for all my single guys out there, you're getting an inside ticket to uh, <laughs> some good evenings. I'm assuming. Here's the thing I did want to say about that. Most women since the age of 12, since they hit puberty, they find out exactly who they like because they get hit on. Like your wife, she was, she was beautiful when she, when she, you know, she came out and then she blossomed and then people started hitting on her. So she knew what type of person she liked at a very early age. Guys, however, we are the ones that we don't get hit on. That's oh, not the dynamic. This makes the sense. Wow. I never thought of this. Keep going. So we don't know what our type is. We often go saddle with relationships that, you know, are, you know, convenient or because we've been talked into them or I've been with this girl for like six years. So I guess I'll marry her or I had a kid with this chick or I'll do this, but we don't know usually. And I say usually, cause I'm not, I'm not speaking in absolutes, but in general, generally men don't know what they like because they don't get hit on. So they never experience that. So ultimately what happens is they just go with whatever pretty girl makes them happy and then they try to develop a relationship. And that, that works, whatever, that's fine. Something that happened with me is because of the ratio that I experienced for six years, I was able to actually understand what I wanted. And what I really wanted was a woman that was traditional. And 
who took care of me. And, you know, I like little Mexicans. My I'm a big fan of, of Brown. I'm, I'm Hispanic and I definitely like, uh, I like Hispanic girls too, but the, but the point is, is that like I was able to find what I like and define what personality and, and it ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 40 this year. And, you know, ultimately I've been able to, because of that, I haven't gotten remarried because I'm not willing to put up with BS. I'm not willing to sacrifice my personal happiness because I spent the last 15 years trying to cultivate this and and let that be taxing. So ultimately, you know, uh, I heard somebody on, a, on another podcast saying like, you know, the definition of success, is, if you want to find success as an entrepreneur, as a, as a CEO or as a person of, of, um, of wealth, then you're going to have to find that through your woman. There's always, you're either going to have that woman that kicks you out of bed and hands you a cup of coffee, says go to work, or you're going to have that girl who's you know, no, stay in bed. You don't have to work today. One of those is going to make you successful. One of those girls is going to be packing your suitcase for you and, and getting you out, out to your flight. One of those girls is going to be, going to be standing behind you, your one, your one woman pit crew. And one of those girls is going to tear you down. They, oh, you have to work again. You're missing family this again. And ultimately, that's what I uh, learned through the Chippendales. I've learned through that. I learned a lot of lessons, you know, through that. I, and it's such the weirdest medium to learn stuff from. But, like, I learned these lessons through. But ultimately, to get back to my original point, was to say that the I started looking around. And I started looking at the classification of individual. I started looking at that none of these guys had a plan. And when they would get fired. Because it's inevitable. We all age out. You know, younger, you know, us guys, you know, like I'm in shape still at 40, but like, I'm, I don't look like I did when I was 20, but you know, we like when these guys would age out, they would get handed, Hey, tonight's your last show. And then they had no plan, nothing. And I would watch these guys just dissolve, like immediately going drug vendors, all sorts of stuff. And like, you know, just like no plan, nothing. There was only one guy I knew it was a guy named Matt Marshall who retired early. Because, it was ultimately because of his girl. He retired. He started cultivating while he was in Chippendales, a construct, a, re, a remodeling company. And I saw his success and I started seeing like, oh my God, like he, he's doing it right. He found that he found a girl and then she like beat him over the head into submission to stay true to her. and then. He got, he was like, fine, I love you. I'm going to stay with you and I'm going to be a good guy. And he ultimately became a great guy and he started his own business. And I looked at him and ultimately like, like for years, him and I didn't get along, but like when he started to mature, I started to respect him so much. And I went, I need to do the same thing. And so I started, I started uh, looking and going back into executive protection and James got me a job with Pinkerton and I became a Pinkerton agent. And I started doing, yeah, I started, I started doing executive protection, workplace violence, hostile terminations, asset recovery. I started doing um, anything high threat, low biz. I started doing all that stuff. And there was a moment, I, I won't say who my client was, but she was known for saying outlandish stuff. And I'm wearing soft plate under my, my, um, my suit. And she almost got killed. Like she literally... And I was still dancing at night. So I would do a, a gig during the day and dance at night. 
And um, I came in, I locked my Glock in the, the, the Chippendale safe and I took off my, my suit and I'm getting ready. And there, another Chippendale was ribbing me and he didn't like me and I didn't like him. And he was like making fun of me. And I wasn't mentally clicked off yet. Like I hadn't deescalated yet. And, and my mind was immediate to, okay, I need to... I need to keep my, my, myself in check here. I could easily like mess him up because I was so on edge. I hadn't made that adjustment. Now nothing happened, but I, as soon as he left, I did my square breathing. And then I went into my best friend who was a dance captain. And I said, I need to, I need to retire. I said, if I continue on this trajectory, trajectory, I'm, I'm, somebody's going to, I'm going to have a hard day at work. And I'm going to come in here and one of these little guys who have no idea is going to say something and I'm going to, I'm going to defile my own honor with, with my, my emotion. And so I, I, I left honorably and I honestly, I can go back to Chip and Dale's show anytime I want. And every time I do, I love it. I love seeing the new show. My buddy's still the dance captain and it's still an awesome thing to go see. If you're a dude and you just want to take your girl to something that's actually entertaining, go, go with your woman. It's, it's fun. And I, uh, I still go there sometimes, but, um, I started on this path and I was going to go into executive protection and I stayed there. And then I started taking every shoot class and I started doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And then I just like every vehicle extrication, you know, tactical carbine one through four, tar- tactical pistol, tactical shotgun, long range. I started doing um, barricade tactics, CQB. I started doing like every class I could get my hands on. And now I competitively shoot. But that's what I started doing. I was doing like 4,000 rounds a month. I was just banging them out. Yeah. Yeah. And I started, I started truly training. And I'll tell you honestly, it's scary to think that I'm a better shooter now than I ever was in the military. <laughs> that's, that's a sad statement. That's funny. But it's like, I, I love... I love this about you though. Like there, there's this whole story. And if people are really tracking, it's that you didn't shy away from experiences. And even like even getting out and going back into EP work and then doing EP work and then absorbing all these like shooting classes and extrication classes and all this stuff. It was stuff you already had a lot of experience in. And there's a there is a point where most men would have an ego and a chip on their shoulder and not do those classes and not try to absorb all those things. And like, you didn't do that. What was it that uh, was that something that kind of came from Chippendales? Was that something that came from you just knowing yourself to not have that ego and to be like, no, I'm still going to go and learn from these people? Honestly, like we were talking earlier, when you're realistic, like in psychology, uh, I went to college and then my degree was in, or my uh, area of, of, of study was psychology. And they talk about your projected self and your actual self. Yeah. And when those two meet, when you're forced to meet that individual, then you can create psychosis. And that's all that right there, though. That's the genesis, the first place of growth. Mm-hmm. If you're able to look at yourself and say, this person who I thought I was, oh, he's not real. Mm. This is who I really am. And when we can project that, the sooner we can get to your realistic self and let that be exposed, to let the world see that realistic self, then we can become an empty vessel to be filled with knowledge. Then we can start the learning process. Then we can actually start to try to actually be that person for real. Mm-hmm. 
instead of walking around with bravado and this toxic masculinity, this, this thing that is fake, this thing that is not real, this, this suit, we can actually be that person if we actually work on it. You know, if we want to be Eric Clapton, we're going to have to study scales. We're going to have to pick up the guitar and start working on it. You don't get there or you, or you, or you could just walk around and say, I'm Eric Clapton. <laughs> but no one will ever believe you and you'll be a buffoon, right? Yeah. And that's, off, that's often what happens. Like, yeah. and I see it all the time in shooting. Like, yeah. I'm, as I, I, I'm an instructor and I see, oh, picking you. Like, oh, I was Green Beret or I was on the teams. And then I get out there and they're flagging me and I'm like, dude, you can't shoot. Like, you don't even know how to do a, a magazine change. And I've seen it. Growth happens when you decide that you're going to actually start investing in your actual self, not investing in the the fake person you are. And that's what I was saying. It's like Chippendales allowed the, the, the reason I became able to have that connection with the crowd is because I started learning how to project my real self. And that then translated into added with knowledge. And I started going out there and, and, and started realizing that I am not tier one. I was 82nd there, uh, parachute infantryman. I am not a tier one element guy. And there's a lot of guys in the industry and I'm an, I'm an EP guy. But I will tell you, there's a lot of tier one guys who can't do EP. And I'll be the first to say that. And there's a lot of people that will come out there and I'll tell you the why they can't. So before anybody gets bad comments and they start saying anything, this is why. If some guys who can return back from war, see too much war, can't live in a corporate environment. They don't know how to, how to have customer experience. They don't know how to, to talk normal to people who have never experienced what lions in the jungle. They are the sheep and they'll be frightened by conversations or that black humor that we have when we get out of the military. So these tier one elements come back and they have these conversations and they're say stuff and you have to fire them because they don't know how to act in normal society because they've seen too much and they haven't dealt with that personality. I'm not saying that's not all. They make great CPOs. They make great close protection officers. They dignitary protection. They do well overseas because you know, they don't have to worry about, is the client going to like me or am I going to be that big lightning rod in the middle of a corporate function and cause us to lose the client? So there's a lot of stuff that like, I am not tier one. And there's a lot of guys who do this thing. A friend of mine who uh, trains me, I'm, I'm right now I'm doing uh, tactical games. I'm training for it in September uh, 2nd here in I'm, I hope you come out for it. I hope you actually do it. That would be I don't know that awesome. I, I don't, I'd have to freaking... I mean, my neighbor and I built a range right next to my house because we have some land out here. So I started shooting again and getting behind the trigger a lot more. But I'd have to, I'd have to spruce it up quite a bit to get to be in the tactical games and compete, especially on the shooting side, as far as getting those skills back. But you're physically fit. And yeah, I've been yeah. watching. Like, you've been keeping up. You train every day. Yeah, you yeah. still run. You still get after it. Like you got to be able to run a nine minute mile in kit, like, and you can do that. Like, so like, well, you're, you're still a stud. <laughs> My point is, is that like, um, I've been training for the, t- the tactical games and it's caused me to like, really like see all these guys. The guy who talked me into it is a guy named uh, Kirk Homer, who is an ex green beret and he's top competitor every year and wins almost every year. And, um, He's such a cool human being. I met him at SHOT Show. Talked for me like 20 minutes. He actually is the reason he talked me into it. 
and sat down with me and talked to him and was like, Hey, you need to do it. Don't, don't think about it. Just train for it. It's already a year. You can start now. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. I went home. I'm about to be 40. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get in shape and I'm going to do this. Um, I haven't ran in years. I'm going to do that. And I just started putting myself on a program and I run a kit three times a week and start driving down my time. I, I shoot twice a week. I, you know, add that to it jujitsu and that's incredible cardio. And it's just like, I, and that's one of the things that I'd like, all these things that I've been doing has been on the cultivation of, of like that person that I really want to be. I need to work hard to get there. I need to actually do that. And that requires me to have a realistic point of view of myself and say, hey, I'm not that person. I need to be a forever student. I need to be a, I can act like an SME, a subject matter expert, or I can be a forever student, which allows me eventually to know a little bit about a little bit. And um, that's one of the things I love about like jujitsu, like Brazilian jujitsu teaches you every day to suck. Like last night I was rolling with three purple belts and a black belt and we're doing Shark Tank. And I'm only happy when I can run out the clock. You know what I mean? Like, I know I'm not going to win, but you go into situations of life knowing you're not going to, you're not going to be the best. But every day you show up, you suck a little less. Consistency is going to get you there. And that's what it is. It's like, right after this podcast, I'm going to put on my kit and go run again. Because it's about consistency. It's not about winning. It's about being sucking a little less. And whether you're doing Chippendales, you're doing executive protection, you're an entrepreneur, whatever it is, it's suck a little less. In my core values for my company, I'm the COO of, of Charlie Mike Protective Services. And right now we're a multi-million dollar company across two different states and we're about to go into a third. I love my, my partners. We've worked really hard and we've been highly successful because our core values are integrity. It's about investing in our people. I make everybody in the company read Jocko Willick's Extreme Ownership. Everybody as a requirement when they come right in the company is because if everything's your fault, you have the power to change. It's empowering people. And then it's saying, and then it's saying, have the power to fail. Be okay with sucking. But when you fail, when you fail, learn and grow. And that's in our core values. It's literally written in, in the fabric of our company. It's saying, hey, we are empowering you to grow. We're empowering you to make mistakes and it's okay. Just own them and then have some deliverables and teach it to say, Hey, look, yes, I messed up here. I messed up here. This is how I'm going to change them. And this is how, how we're never going to do that again. Cool. I'm not going to hold your feet to the flame for that. I will. If you come in like, well, HR didn't do this or business development didn't give me that. Then I'm going to be like, I don't think you have a place here. Like, I don't think, I don't think this is where you belong because here, what we believe in this company, we believe in careers, not just over brokes or I call jobs. I hate just over brokes. I, we believe in careers and careers are defined by people who are okay with sucking. You know, entrepreneurship is one of the hardest things you will ever do in life. And I'm in it. I got two companies right now that I'm, I'm, I'm running. I'm starting one from scratch and the other one I'm a major partner in. And it's hard. It's hard being an entrepreneur because there's nobody there to tell you to get up and work. There's nobody there. Nobody does. I have four different notepads at my, my work and I work from home half the time. So I don't have to get up. No one's there to, to all right, Joey, did you clock in? No, it's how badly do I want to win? How badly do I want to win? And when it, what it is and what it means is that I have to focus. I take lion's mane. I do a lot of other things like 
right? Jiu-jitsu, I do yoga. There's a lot of things that I do to help my brain, to help me stay centered. And, you know, I also do therapy and whatnot. These things that like most men are afraid to do, I, you know, we're so as defined as, as, as like veterans, we, we say like, oh, I will run to gunfire. Well, the gunfire is therapy. Running to that thing you're afraid of, take the same intensity that you are about running into war and being that combat veteran. Take that and be the kind of guy who is saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to run towards being an entrepreneur. Those things that I'm scared of, that idea that I think is really good that's going to make money, well, let's create an LSC. Let's get an EIN. Let's start actually doing the process. Let's do this thing because the worst that we can possibly do is fail and be back right here where we're at. But at least we knew, like, hey, we tried. Hey, everyone. Want to take a quick second here and let you know about my new book, Design the Man Within. It is all about getting the everyday man the tools he needs to start becoming a better version of himself, but also becoming a man who loves himself and impacts the people around him positively. Go ahead to designthemanwithin.com and get your copy today. I am very proud of this book, and it was the book I needed years ago when I started my journey. And so I hope that it can be that door-opening book for every man out there to start his own personal journey with tools and tips that I've used to help grow through some of the darkest times in my life to become somebody who looks at the man in the mirror and loves who he sees. So make sure you head over to designthemanwithin.com and get your copy today. Dude, you is literally the words out of my mouth. And and I just love that this is your mentality too, because what this is signifying to everybody for somebody who is very, you know, has created success on his own is that the fact that like your fears of your goals and dreams because of failure at the worst case scenario is going to only lead you back to where you currently live life. (laughs) Like to me, that's, I'm like, when I realized that I was like, Bro, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so why? dumb. Like, why are you? Why are you so scared? You're gonna be right here anyways. Yeah, with a little bit more knowledge. Right, right. Just so that, like you, you learn something. You got some reps on something, and like that. Like when you go out to the range. Like I had a partner. I, I, I bought him out. We would go out to the range, and he would never shoot. And I was like, mm, what's going on here? It's because he was never, he was always too afraid that he was going to have to show himself. He talked about a big game about how he could shoot, carry the gun in his waistband. I never shot. And as a company, we go shooting now. I have a shoot team now in my company. We go to shooting events. And I love these guys. They, they all like, we, they all know we suck. We, there are great shooters out there. And then these guys are, but we go as a team. We all shoot as a team. It's really like, um, great for the company because it, it bonds us and uh, yeah and then we like we celebrate celebrate each other's victories you know we help each other work on them. we videotape every single one of them so we can like critique each other and we grow iron sharpens iron right but but when you are 
afraid to put yourself out there. When you're afraid to not do this thing, then you stay stagnant and you will never grow. You will never progress. And that's, that's that Brazilian jiu-jitsu mentality. It's like, I can pretend to say, I, I, oh, I'll, I, I took boxing when I was in high school. I could punch you. I could beat you. And then you're like, mm. I know a high school kid who literally last night went up one side of me and down the other. And he weighs about 150 pounds. You choked me the hell out. Like, you don't know what people know. And there's a lot of people that are walking around that are dangerous. And you, the most dangerous mentality is to stay in the position that you're at instead of growing. Because the fact is, you're going to have to, you're going to meet somebody who really does do this, who does train, who does go after the thing they want the most. I, I equate it to entrepreneurship and the fact that like, you can always talk about, or, or no, let me back up. You'll, you'll, you'll definitely resonate with this. How many guys, when they went through ranger school and you said, Hey, I got the tab. You're like, I could have been a ranger. I could have been Navy SEAL. You know, they didn't want me. I was too good. Or, or, you know, I had, I heard bad knee in your land. We're like, we were, we all had bad knees. We all, you know, we all had asthma. Like we just chose it. I had one guy who said, I didn't join the military because my mom said she would never talk to me. Well, I turned to him and I said, yeah, my mom told me that too. And she didn't talk to me for like a cool couple years, but I still did it anyways. Why? Because it's part of who I am. It's like, we have so many reasons to keep us where we're at. It is you that has to project yourself to that future. Do you want that more than being stagnant? And that's what it comes to. Like all the things that I went through, like whether it's Chippendales, war, executive protection, entrepreneurship, all of these things. The reality is this. If you're not, if you're the type of person who's too afraid to try something, then you're always going to get the same, the same outcome. If you want to, if you want to accomplish something in your life, you got to put yourself out there. You got to, you got to go and suck. You got to go out there and try new things. Like, like I'm like, my thing that I, I keep bouncing back is Brazilian Jiu Jitsu because it's the thing that brings me the most peace. And I love it so much. I love the tribe. I love sucking because uh, like I have this guy who I, I keep rest. I, I keep rolling with this dude. He just, uh, he's like my nemesis. He doesn't know it because all I'm doing is smiling when I'm trying to work with these problems, but he's so good. And I can't win. But every every time I roll with him, like I get I, I don't get in that position this time or now I can defend against this or maybe he doesn't take me down like he did immediately. I'm incrementally becoming better. And that's what it is. It's like right now in my in my company, in my in Charlie Mind, it's like we are incrementally becoming better. We're incrementally growing. I've moved into Las Vegas, we acquired another company. We just finished with that acquisition and we're incrementally building that stage up. And like none of the partners are taking payouts. Like we are all, we all chips in. We're like, I took my life savings. I didn't buy a house this year. I'm, I'm in an apartment. I drive a Kia. Like I live small. I don't party. I don't go anywhere. I don't have like banging clothes. Like the most I, I spend is on rounds, like bullets are expensive. So I, that's my, my expenditure, but, but I meal prep and I, and I, right. I like, I don't, I don't have a lot of lavish lifestyle. And, um, I was at a party with, with a bunch of entrepreneurs and they, you know, they're multimillion dollar companies too. And they like, they're like, Oh, look, they were talking about cars. And, um, I said, I drive a Kia. It's 2016 Kia Sorento and I bought it used and I'm going to probably buy another one. 
And they're like, why? I said, because I like that $300 payment, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't need the, my clothes to define who I am. I know that in 10 years, I'm going to be on in flip flops and a polo shirt at my board of directors meeting. And then I can be in Argentina or then I can be in freaking in Barbados or wherever I want to be in life. And I, then I can live a, a lifestyle that's, that's great. But for me, the life and the joy that I'm getting, I get it. I, I get it through discipline and I get it through the joy of my, um, of this thing of learning. And if you can be addicted to that instead of addicted to, oh, I need to buy a shirt now, or I need to have that car, that BMW that people go, ooh, I live in Las Vegas. Everyone's got a BMW. It is not that cool. Like, you know what is cool? Owning your own company and being able to say, I, I own a, mil- a multi-million dollar company. Or I am chasing after, like, uh, like I'm chasing after this goal, or I've accomplished this thing. Like, great, awesome. But even then, don't tell anybody about it. Be happy of who you are. Stand in your own greatness, and and just be you, and happy that you're solidified. It. I I will say this. Like, I used to, you know, those long rides on the on Chippendales bus, and I get a panic because I hadn't cultivated anything. I was like, if I die today, it's like, cool. I did this awesome thing, but I didn't create anything. I didn't find my purpose and I didn't become everything that I needed to be yet. And I would get scared. And the other night I was on a plane trip back and I was doing my square breathing because I still get a little scared when I, when I fly. And I started thinking, I'm like, if I die today, I'm okay with it. And it's just because I've I've accomplished what I needed to and everything else from here is gravy. So like for me, I'm, I'm okay. Like that's a cool feeling. Dude. I love this so much, bro. Uh, as we're winding down here, man, I, I just, oh, so much reverence and respect for you, the man that you are, but also the mindset you've created from where we've came, came from long ago to who I see now, uh, sitting on here in the words of wisdom that you've given, man, like this is powerful. And I hope, there are many men out there that resonate with this because when I mentioned range earlier in the episode, guys, I hope you can see now the type of range I'm talking about in a man who really hits all the spectrum and not many men really do. So brother, this is like you're the power that you stand in and always being the forever student is what makes you also the forever leader because you're always willing to put yourself back in the fire. You're always willing to put yourself back in the trench. And those are men that lead, you know, because leaders, strong, good leaders are never willing to run away from doing the same work they're asking everybody else to do. And that's what you exemplify. So as a, as a man, as a leader in your company, I mean, that this is who you are and this is why forever you will be successful because you're never a man that's going to run away from that. And Anybody, any man that I know would run through a wall for someone that does that. And I've, I've seen it. So, bro, really just so much power to you. And like you, you are somebody I look up to. You're somebody that I hope every man that's listening to this podcast goes and researches and looks up to as well and starts to see the kinds of things that they can create in their lives if they're willing to drop that backpack of ego. And be like, no, bro, like I'm always growing. I'm always developing. I'm always evolving. 
So brother, you are amazing, man. I love you so much. Is there any way... Is there any way... Um, do you have anything that people can support you with? Or is there anything that you want to send people to? I know you're an instructor and I know you teach shooting. Um, or if guys are in the EP world, hit up Charlie Mike uh, as well. But is there a place you want to send people to to link up with you potentially? Sure. You guys can check me out. Um, I was also there as my Instagram. I was also there. Um, that's a funny Chippendale story, but bottom line, it was my attempt at humor, <laughs> at humility. And now he's stuck with um, it. <laughs> and I, like, oh, and I was also there. Um, but uh, I was also there on Instagram and then Charlie Mike Protective uh, Services.com. And then Schedule One Labs is uh, my other company. Schedule One being the actual numerical. Um, you can find that on Instagram right now. We're still in the R and D phase, but we'll have some goodness coming out. And if you're not and haven't read it yet, Mr. Al Sasser's book is available on Amazon. Design the Man Within. Go ahead and get that. It's awesome. Waiting for that to come out on Audible so I can start pushing that on my my company's reading list. Uh, are you gonna, are you thinking about actually reading it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to do the Audible myself. I, I actually um, going to start awesome. doing. It. We had a lot of construction going on here towards the end of the month because we were refinishing our basement and doing some stuff outside. So I was, it was just too loud. But now I'm in a place where I can do the reading and get it done and get that on audible. That's the next phase. That's the next evolution of the book. So yeah. 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 I will definitely put it on my company's reading list. All my leaders, I have them on a reading list, you know, 48 laws of power. I have them on all, all the things, the four time, the Sun Tzu, like all, I have a reading list for them and I'll, I'll you know, Simon Sinek's uh, find your why all of that stuff. Like I'll put, I'll put your book on that too, because it is powerful. If you haven't read it, read it. It's freaking awesome. Uh, Johnny, thank you for having me. I will be anytime you want me back on. I will, I will come on. Uh, I love you, man. Next time. I think we're going to have to do one in person in Vegas, hanging out with a, 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 oh, glass, sure. a glass of bourbon and jamming out with two mics and uh, have a good time. Yeah. We will definitely have to, we'll have to definitely hit on more of the leadership aspects. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of stuff that all of that really delves in. We kind of broad strokes. Yeah, but yeah. Love you, man. Love you Appreciate too, brother. You. Thank you, brother. And to everybody listening, make sure you check out Joey, check out the show notes. If you missed any of the links, um, find him there. And as always, remember that the world deserves a better caliber of man and it's our obligation to give it to him. All right, guys. Talk to you next time. 